Hey, everybody, this is Joshua Heston. And I'm Lisa Martin. And this is the Dark Ozarks on the Branson Podcast Network. We're an exploration of everything that's dark in history, mysteries, the paranormal, and everything else. We explore the noir, the unknown, cryptozoology, UFOs, paranormal, and all the dark stuff that happens in the Ozarks. You can find Dark Ozarks on Branson Podcast Network on Facebook under Dark Ozarks, as well as our YouTube channel, Dark Ozarks. We'll leave no stone unturned to bring you the dark history, mysteries, and legends of the Ozarks. And we're live. Welcome to the Dark Ozarks. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Lisa. It's good to be here. Yes, it is. Hey, Josh. Hey, everyone. <laughs> we hope everyone is having a good week. Yes. As we begin our autumnal progression toward All Hallows Eve, I'm quite excited because I have coffee in my Ritchie Mansion house uh newtonium missouri cup i'm quite happy about that there you go and not too long until we're there until we're there um, uh, unrelated i have my llewellyn's pub and st charles missouri cup oh neat that is full of basmati rice <laughs> of course it is <laughs> As one does with one's pub cup. Yep. I like the word pub cup. It almost is a pup cup. <sighs> but I digress. We have a, uh, a a great calendar of live events in dark Ozarks country that has already kicked off. We've got two events behind us. We'll talk a little bit about those. Welcome to, of course, the long format of dark Ozarks on Wednesday night, and uh, oh, State of the Ozarks Fest is done. We were in Caney, Kansas last Saturday. Next yeah. up, October 7th in Hollister, Missouri. Yes, for the downtown Hollister walking tour. Um, we will be telling um, ghost stories. We will tour the very haunted, very beautiful Old English Inn. Um, and it's, it's going to be great because we're going to tour downtown, stories, uh, folk songs, uh, all kinds of things going on. Really, really neat event. Uh, check out paranormalsciencelab.com uh, for tickets. Yes. Some of the events that we do uh, are just like, like State of the Ozarks Fest. You just show up. Some mm-hmm. events are ticketed events. The tickets are oftentimes available at the door, but to make sure that there is space, we do recommend people purchase those in advance. Right, because some of the locations definitely do uh, run out so mm-hmm. of tickets, so, which is a good thing. And when you do go, you are supporting those locations or the organizations that we work with. Um, and so money goes to good causes. After the 7th, on the 15th, the following weekend, we are in Joplin for Dark Oats Arts October Country, which is an all-day event uh, that's being held at the VFW Hall just off North Main Street. And it's uh, going to cover a variety of topics under um, our wheelhouse of Dark Ozarks. Um, and it's an interactive Event So it's not just talking heads. You participate. We are a community um, and it, it makes it very special. Plus, there's food and refreshments. 
Yes, yes, there is. <laughs> uh, I'm particularly looking forward to the cheeseburgers myself. It's, um, I saw one of them go by while we were doing a survey investigation there a couple of weeks ago. And I've been dreaming about cheeseburgers there ever since. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> into the into the either. It doesn't take much to get me excited. Um, no. uh, snack cakes or cheeseburgers will do it. I am basically Shaggy and Scooby combined at this point. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's pretty pretty accurate actually <laughs> it really is uh, then um october 20th 20th yes. yes um we will be back in joplin uh for the old downtown walking tour where we cover the the history of early Joplin and ghost stories that come out of it in conjunction with Third Thursday Art Walk. Um, and we are partnering with the Joplin Downtown Alliance on that event. They support the artist community in the area, as well as being instrumental in a number of historic building restoration projects. So uh, proceeds from that help them out. So it's a good cause. Um, then after that, on the 29th, we will be in Newtonia, Missouri at the Ritchie Mansion and the Civil War Cemetery for a tour uh, of both um, um, delve into the history and then a tour of um, um, after the tours and investigation. So, and there's food and refreshments for the first time at that event. So, yes, very, very excited about that. It's going to be great. Great to get back to Natonia. <laughs> yes. Uh, for uh, we were there in April. Very excited to come back mm -hmm. again. This is going to be a three part tour. Something that I love about, of course, we're, we're getting ready to do this for. Uh, the Haunted Hollister Walking Tour, and then also the event at Newtonia, is that these are multi-part events. And this is uh, the, there's a lot of there's a lot of experience that happens over the course of the evening. Mm -hmm. Yes, and we we get a lot of good feedback off of it too from people who've attended. So very excited about that. And then um, November nineteenth, we actually have two events going on that day. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, in the afternoon, we will be at Always Buying Books um, for book signing for both of us, mm -hmm. followed that evening uh, by a tour and investigation at the Web City Library, which yeah. a lot of people may say, library for a ghost hunt. <laughs> it is very haunted, has been from basically when it opened, uh, full by apparitions, uh, behultergeist activity, and more. So um, it, it's always a good event, uh, good time, and proceeds help support events at the library. So. Yes, they do. Uh, proceeds also help with the VFW. They help at the Ritchie Mansion. They help in Hollister. Mm -hmm. I, and and also in downtown Joplin. So yes. it's exciting to just be a part of it. And it's exciting to just the, the you all, the public, mm -hmm. uh, getting to meet uh, folks in person and uh, and just getting to share some of these locations. It still amazes me the number of people, even here in, in my immediate area, in the Branson Hollister area, uh, who've never even been in, for example, the Old English Inn. But, you know, that happens everywhere. You know, people, 
you know, walk past places that they they live near all the time and, and never go and are surprised that other people are interested. So don't make that mistake. Get out and see your local history. And <clears throat> local history, regional history is a huge part of, of what we do. Now, since we are long format, we can we can dig into this a little bit. Uh, you and I, uh, over the weekend, had the opportunity to be in some really incredible uh, Ozarks borderlands, actually, yes. little, quote unquote, little Ozarks of southeast Kansas. Yes, it really was fun. Um, uh, great weather. It was beautiful. It really was. Um, mm-hmm. and, and there certainly we drove through parts that really did make you think you were right in the middle of those arcs. So. Mm-hmm. And um, and a huge thanks to the SEK Paranormal for inviting us. Yes, um, we were very honored. It was a lot of good conversations and uh, um, good people. Um, check out their page, SEK Border uh, Border Town Paranormal, and mm-hmm. uh, follow them and um, and uh, see what's uh, you know a little further west of you. If you're hearing those, <clears throat> it is. I I was excited. I get excited anytime there's a road trip into new country. <laughs> yes, that's um, true. <laughs> you do. <laughs> I do. I really do. And uh, I, I love seeing that. <clears throat> and admittedly, and it, one one of the things that for me was a great takeaway from the conference is that this for us for the ozarks it's borderlands and if people are confused about borderlands i'm not implying that it's a part of the ozarks it is not but it is a an important cultural region that uh is you know comes up and borders the ozarks right and southeast kansas has a lot of really really interesting phenomena Mm-hmm. That really has not hit mainstream. It, it really isn't, and I and I, I know we plan on delving into some of it more over time. But um, there, there's a lot of not only hauntings and, and UFO uh, sightings, cryptids, and just creature monster type lore that. Um, most people probably would not associate with Kansas and uh, very interesting. It is <clears throat> in so many cases when you're on the ground uh, digging into it, whether it's folklore, whether it's um, legends, whether it's paranormal occurrences, whether it's just history, just history. Uh, you, no matter how hard you, uh, you know, folks try, unless you're really invested on the ground, it's very hard to do things other than present surveys. Here we go. (laughs) Mm. It's very hard to present anything other than surveys unless you're really invested on the ground. That's true. That's true. And that's one, that's one thing I really like about this project is we are doing that. And 
and getting out and getting on the ground in various places and um, uh, and having a lot of fun doing it too. So. Mm-hmm. And, um, <clears throat> and of course, a big shout out uh, to Jessica and Pam and the rest of the team um, for uh, for doing a lot of that heavy lifting on the ground work uh, of, of research, investigation and collecting stories from that region. And I think, you know, I, I certainly be excited to see many of these stories uh, because of their work get a larger audience. I would too. I would too. Um, and hopefully we get, you know, our part of that, but, um, we got to, we, 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 um, we made an interesting stop along the way as well. (laughs) Yes, we did. And, mm, (laughs) in the shadow of the vendor's mound between Parson, Kansas and Cherryville. Mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah. Just, Overlooking the, the 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 homestead site of the Bloody Benders Inn, and um, um, it is definitely an ominous spot. Even though there's nothing there, I mean, you're you're you know, there's no buildings around or anything, but you do feel like you are on very solemn ground. You do, you do. I <clears throat> we were there at dusk. And uh, there's a great video, I would say, mm-hmm. <laughs> that uh, that you and I we shot a we shot a video, and I think now would be a good time. We don't talk a lot about this, uh, but Facebook has offered Dark Ozarks a subscriber option, yes. where um, folks can help support us financially, really in the very similar way uh, to Patreon, and yeah, pretty much the same format, um, and. People often, you know, sometimes people will say, well, why would I pay for something on Facebook? And, well, you know, obviously the page is free. That doesn't change. The subscriber group is a private subscriber only group that the the fees actually go towards our our uh, research uh, efforts and um, other projects which will be coming down the line. Um including some books coming before too, too long. Yes. Uh, and it's, and it is an opportunity for people to help support and be a part of this work. And the first thing that uh, the folks get out of that is essentially insider videos. And uh, we, we have our regular public stuff that we do like we're doing right now, but when we're out in the field, and uh, when it's <laughs> when it's late at night and it's very <laughs> off the cuff, uh, a very uh, unvarnished uh, insider view of dark Ozarks, state of the Ozarks and paranormal science lab behind the scenes is uh, it's a lot of fun. And mm-hmm. it, it for us, we really we're pretty chill on a regular basis, but it really is very much off the cuff. Uh, particularly on location. And that's what happened uh, just yeah. Saturday night after the conference. We're going, wait a second, we're going to go right by this place. Let's actually get on the ground and uh, give our impressions, show people what this space looks like. Uh, it's a very haunted, uh, energetically, just the, the space is is dark mm-hmm. and, uh, and a strong sense of watchfulness and uh, it's an opportunity to follow along. So if that's something that you're interested in, check out the Dark Ozark subscriber option. 
uh, we put a lot of content on there behind, mm -hmm. you know, in, but for subscribers only, and you can be part of the team. And as things develop, you'll get first dibs on, uh, on a lot of stuff, as well as the potential of giveaways and that kind of thing. Exactly. There will be more things coming along. So we, we do really appreciate support there. So, um, and, um, you know, I was curious, I was going to ask you, since we were talking about All Hallows Eve, and certainly the, the, the vendor's homestead is, you know, known to be one of, you know, not only a very dark place because of what happened there, but to, to be haunted. Uh, what, what were your thoughts? Mm. <clears throat> In terms of the, of the, of the homestead itself? Yeah. <sighs> My disclaimer on this for the skeptics is that these are just my energetic impressions, just my impressions from being right. within the space. Uh, I believe the location is haunted. Uh, that much, I, I feel very confident in saying. Uh, mm -hmm. There's too much violence and too much concentrated uh, death. And anger. Uh, and 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 very violent, untimely death within that space because the the vendors would murder quite indiscriminately. Mm -hmm. and, and, and you know, these are these were were people who and, and I think what it what's particularly chilling is unlike a uh, a battlefield in which presumably many of the soldiers going into battle understand that this is a possibility. Right. It, it's a risk, a known risk. And for the individuals who were murdered by the benders, uh, that they were stopping at an inn. They were stopping where they mm. believed they would be safe. They would be cared for. They would be fed. Uh, and the idea that the next day or the next morning, uh, they would pack up their belongings, their loved ones, their children, and proceed on their way. And so many of them did not. That, uh, the, the violence within that space, I think, creates uh, an energy pattern that is a, is a haunting in and of itself before you even get to the potentiality of sentience. I, I, I agree. And I, I don't know, I'm, I don't know that there's something sentient there, but, uh, you know, I've been, in, I've been in a number of locations where there, there was very uh, gruesome murder and, and violence. Um, and not all of them have the same sort of energy. Um, and that space certainly did. Um, it did. I, for me, I sensed a, a pressure. Uh, a malevolence, a watchfulness, and a, a watchfulness, uh, particularly in the in the fence row, mm -hmm. uh, that made me uncomfortable. Yes. Made me not want to be there. I was uh, I was happy to get over to Parsons. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I think we and, both had the same feeling. <laughs> Yes. And it, it seems that we, we, we began to experience the same feeling about the same time without really talking to each other until we were back in the car. Yeah, because we reacted at the same time, I noticed. Mm -hmm. Yep. It's time to leave. Well, it's, yep. uh, and for me personally, at this juncture point, a very strong impression 
mm, that one or more of the vendors are the ones haunting it, although the vendors did not die in that location. Yeah, it definitely felt more like a, a predator energy rather than a victim. Yeah, I, you know, the, the victim, some of the victim's um, sentience may remain there. I don't know. It would be very interesting at a future point um, with, and we stayed on the, the actual road. I want to be clear yeah, about that. that says, yeah, yeah. Uh, we, were, we were on the public access. Yeah, um, it is. It is a field. Mm -hmm. um but it is private property we did not go onto the private property we remained adjacent on uh on public access yes Um, it would be interesting at a future point to to organize an investigation in that location just to see Mm -hmm. what shows up in terms of uh of uh potential evps etc and i and i do have connections that have connections that (laughs) Possibly make that happen. Mm. I also mm, something that is very mm, I think resonant about the benders, the bloody benders story is that it the 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 legend really reads like an urban legend mm-hmm. until you dig into the history and you find out it's true that's true sometimes you know, it really is truth is stranger than fiction <laughs> and um, that that is the case so uh, coming into this is the beginning of the halloween season we have <laughs> crossed the cross the boundary cross the border of uh, the into the autumnal equinox, it is no longer summer, and we're counting down the days until October thirty first, November first. Now, it, it's fun in the sense that in the in the you know the old traditions, what were a lot of the mm, you know the thinning of the veil. Uh, the the interaction with the other world, et cetera, is associated with the the, the turning of the earth. Yeah, and so that's, that's very true. And so, and, and of course, individuals who are familiar uh, with some more mm, contemporary or modern practices, uh, esoteric practices, or uh, particularly, I think that. In, in a lot of people's case, they, they simply are introduced to uh, things like the, the solstices, the equinoxes, uh, and sabbats through an introduction or familiarity with Wicca. But mm-hmm. these are, a lot of people don't realize, Wicca is actually a, a, a quite modern um, uh, religious, esoteric religious movement. Yeah, not even 100 years old. No. Now, it has certainly uh, historical and cultural cross ties to much older traditions, but in terms of a a formalized uh, structure, it's actually comparatively new. Um, Interestingly enough, uh, bluegrass is the same way. Well, that's very true. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't expecting segue into music. (laughs) (laughs) That uh, just decided to take a left turn there. Um, 
but also, you know, the, the, <clears throat> in that uh, Wicca is associated with those <clears throat> um, turnings of the earth, those, those points, uh, the, the, the times of the moon, the times of the sun, etc. But these date back uh, much in the same way. Here's my, here's my cross-reference to tie it all together perhaps successfully, perhaps not, uh, <laughs> in, in the same way that uh, uh, Celtic, uh, you know, Scots-Irish uh, music traditions inform bluegrass. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that uh, very, very old um, <clears throat> pre-Christian traditions of the Celts mm, at times very much inform modern day Wicca, although they are separate, just in the same way that Scots Irish music is not bluegrass, but there's a there's a, a, a sh some shared relationship. Yes, shared relationships, some influences. Now, I, I I think that that is fairly accurate. Um, um, and um, that being said, maybe we ought to talk a little bit about sort of those origins of quote halloween absolutely let's talk <laughs> um we have two great sponsors we don't want to forget that's right that's right always buying books in mm -hmm. joplin missouri and the beard engine brewing company in alba missouri are both fantastic stay uh not save those arts dark ozarks long day dark ozarks <laughs> sponsors uh, Bob and Elise do an amazing job of curating phenomenal collections of books. I have already been the uh, the happy recipient of many, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, opportunity to buy a number of books. Looking forward to purchasing many more. Yep. And uh, Always Buying Books is also sponsoring our October 15th, uh, October Country Dark Ozarks at the VFW Hall in Joplin. Yes, and uh, we're very appreciative of that. And Beard Engine Brewing Company is a uh, you know phenomenal um, uh, place. Um, great atmosphere. It's haunted, and it's been named twice in a row as Missouri's best brewery by the Missouri Brewers Association, and it is the only English style brewery in missouri so uh, a unique experience plus there's good food there too excellent food uh great beer phenomenal location well worth your visit and as is always buying books and uh i believe you'll you know get to get to uh engage in a little bit of always buying books experience at hopefully at uh october country that's true. That's true. Um, uh, my understanding is that there will be a selection of uh, relevant uh, uh, books for sale that are um, uh, of interest to uh, those who are interested in the topics we cover. So come on out and find some interesting books. Exactly. <clears throat> and by that, we mean buy them before I do. <laughs> if they rush to buy them before before Josh does. <laughs> uh, countdown, I will buy them all and become a shaman before you. Not you, Lisa. You, the audience. I'm going to be very specific about that. <laughs> he just doesn't want to get on my bad side. <laughs> right. Let's just say I have a lot of respect for your skills. Thank you. 
Likewise. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <clears throat> okay. Halloween. Uh, best holiday ever. You get yes. to stay up. There's there's no issues of having to be good. And there's candy. And costumes. And costumes. And masks. It is fantastic. Where's my, where's my costume? Uh, <laughs> wait, where's my antlers? Next week, I guess. <laughs> well, we'll uh, we'll be antlering it up next week. Um, <laughs> so, mm, really, really, and and it also evokes a lot of strong feelings. Yes, uh, positive and negative. I think that particularly American Protestantism has quarreled with halloween uh for a very long time and uh, there's a there's a long historic tradition of that dating back to the puritans <laughs> yes <laughs> and uh, i i do come from a tradition that has so i you know uh, i do come from those traditions as well myself and i have a lot of respect for that mm-hmm. so i know. mean I, I mean same yeah and uh, interestingly enough, of course, it is <clears throat> what I think is so we have, you know, in terms of strata for Halloween, and this is our, our introductory Halloween spooks and Halloween uh, long format. So we'll be talking about Halloween and things related to Halloween uh, in the Ozarks from here on out. So this is, you know, a great opportunity primer on Halloween itself. You have a, a heavily commercialized American holiday on top right now. Yes, and and especially in North America, our idea of Halloween is very egocentric. Um, that uh, most of it, even the rest of the English-speaking world would not really recognize. <laughs> True, <clears throat> although the the uh, the juggernaut of um, American commercialism is changing that i found out you know comparatively recently and hopefully nobody throws anything at me for this i don't remember my sources but i was talking to somebody and they were doing a a traditional commercial american halloween in spain which really threw me off and uh and of course it is you know worked its way over to a variety of other locations i've talked to folks in germany who are like hey we're having an american halloween (laughs) (laughs) uh etc with the idea of um candy trick-or-treating masks pumpkins okay Uh, on october 31st you know Um, the the american economic push just can't be stopped i guess i not at this juncture point and (laughs) we'll, we'll we'll see how things roll as we move forward but it is um <clears throat> of course, these elements is what informs us of Halloween today. You've got, mm-hmm. you know, you've got the 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 traditional uh, fright houses, spook houses, mm-hmm. uh, the the haunted cornfields, the um, jack o' lantern carving, which I love, um, trick or treating, making candy, going door to door. And then just a season of general spookiness leading up to November 1st. Yes. Um, And 
And I guess, and that's one point that really does diverge from older tradition is that in older tradition, Halloween or All Hallows Eve was really just the prelude. I agree. I think that's an excellent point because the the spookiness, quote-unquote, that we associate with the thinning of the veil really begins... I actually, I mean, if you want to really get down to it, it to a large degree, it begins at Lunasa um, in in uh, early, typically very late July, early August, depending on mm-hmm. the you know the the calendar that in that particular year, uh, because it's a point that it really becomes noticeable that the sun is waning. Right. Yeah, days are, are starting to get a little shorter and mm-hmm. theoretically and a little weaker. Yes. <clears throat> and there, there's a, a great, uh, albeit perhaps a little spooky, um, you know, connotation that the sun is dying. And, you know, the, the sun of that year is, yeah. is, is entering into its uh, senescence. And it is where, and and autumn is coming with it, and the darkness of winter, and for uh, rural agrarian subsistence communities, um, you you were hoping, you know, your your entire your existence, your survival was centered around the success of the harvest, mm-hmm. and. If the if the success was, you know, if there was success, you were insured, um, you know, the, the fact that you weren't going to starve to death over the, the darkest, most frightening time uh, of year. And that frightening time really began about October 31st, November 1st. Right. Right. And reached its darkest um, with the winter solstice, the longest night of the year. And then you slowly, and then and then it's a, sort of an uphill, slow uphill survival until Imol, uh, which is approximately February second, when the days get long enough, and the beginning of uh, uh, of spring is offering hope that you are going to survive. Yes. Yeah, so basically, half, you know, almost half the year, you're you know concentrating on just not dying. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and which may, may may be the best explanation for the fascination with with slasher films. <laughs> uh, agreed, agreed. It's actually <laughs> um, <laughs> slash, slasher films are just a. Uh, oh, how do we kind of? I, I I only halfway believe what I'm about to say. I'm just being being me. Um, it's a. Huh, it's a um, it's a representational representational play in microcosm of the uh, the ancient and impossible to avoid evolutionary biology that is programmed within us to attempt to survive the winter. It's just that they take it and they put it, you know, they compress it into two hours and say, "Can you make it?" The uh, you know the the aforementioned slasher villain is winter, and uh, 
they're just trying to survive, which could also explain the misplaced uh, fertility motif that keeps showing up with all of those frisky teenagers. Could be, could be. And we, we we may have just writ, written a a, a a future writing project outline. <laughs> oh oh oh, Wickerman. Um, how I love the, the original, the original with Christopher Lee, not the travesty that is the second remake. Yeah. Mm. To the horror of certain people that we know. Wickerman. So. <laughs> If you don't know what we're talking about, look up Wicker Man if you're easily scarred. Um, you'll, you know, enjoy. Uh, you, you will be. It's a lot of fun. Uh, 1970s British horror film. And uh, I, <laughs> I, I love it. And upon repeated watching, I start cheering for the townspeople instead of the, uh, the, the uptight um, mm-hmm. police officer. It is terrible. And wonderful. By the end of it, I'm going, yay, Wicker Man, which says something terrible about me. Anyway, uh, not what they were intending, I don't, I think. <sighs> so that was my confession. Um, but it is that it is that mm, that long decline. And something that happens with modern day Halloween, as you've already noted, is we have Halloween, October 31st, November 1st hits, and it's over. And that is not fully accurate to uh, really just the, the the reality of the season. No, no. I mean, there there is a reason it's All Hallows Eve. It's, you know, Eve is prelude to something. And, <laughs> yes. you know, um, whereas Halloween is, you know, basically our acting out of uh, the idea of hiding from the specters and the, and the ghouls, um, the things that come through the veil. Um, yes. The next day is really supposed to be a celebration. It is. Uh, and the, there are elements to it. Now, part of, part of the celebration is um, it, there, it is a harvest festival. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, <clears throat> you know, the, the September, October months, uh, you know, traditionally it was a time when <sighs> ideally there actually wasn't a food that you weren't, right. you know, that for a very brief time you could, there was enough, hopefully uh, if the, if the season was good enough, plenty that you could just be like, okay, I'm, I can eat all I want. And mm-hmm. at least for a few festival nights. <laughs> Also, um, as as evidence, in case anybody wonders, uh, you know, beneath all the strata, we're dealing with an ancient Celtic holiday. So, yeah. uh, you know, stories and traditions that we see in Scottish, um, Irish, and Welsh lore, as well as some British lore, mm-hmm. which that has a whole other uh, connection because British originally sort of meant Welsh. And uh, as opposed to Anglo-Saxon, mm-hmm. anyway, <clears throat> British versus England, it gets confusing if you don't know what I'm talking about. Sorry, uh, but that many of these traditions do speak into uh, Halloween or Halloween traditions, and uh, and harvest as well as well as the uh, you know the butchering of 
uh, of excess cattle and the, you know, the, the old Irish stories of things like the cattle raid at Cooley really point out that cattle were sacred. Beef mm-hmm. was extraordinarily important and wars were fought over mm-hmm. cattle. That, that very true. And since you already went to Wicker Man, I'll, I'll bring up uh, Harvest Home. So, um, yes. yes. Um, and basically the, you know, an American 1970s horror movie that also highlights um, this time and the importance of ritual for um, preparing the earth to survive winter for the next um the next spring, which involves sacrificing uh, a man's blood to the earth. Which, you know, is something it's one of the it's one of the stickier aspects of uh, our ancestry. Our shared Literally. Celtic, uh, is uh, uh, the Celts did human sacrifice. They did. And they, they were rather fond of beheading. So. Yes, the uh, the cult of the headed, of the of the of the severed the cult of the severed head, mm-hmm. um, which does make its way into the Ozarks in in yes, a variety, variety of formats, and <clears throat> was was something that uh, definitely screwed with the Romans when they were exposed to the, <laughs> exposed to the Celts and their traditions. <clears throat> and yeah, <clears throat> and that's how we know about the really, you know, what we know of these ancient Celtic traditions comes from mm, really about three three primary sources. Mm-hmm. The the more literary is what the Romans wrote down when they were exposed to the Celts. Mm-hmm. And and the Romans were exposed to the Celts in surprising ways in a number of locations uh, because the the Romans went to war against the Celts successfully, mostly successfully, in continental Europe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in continental Europe, they they were mostly successful, although um, Rome did get sacked a couple of times. Yes, and interestingly enough, even Delphi, uh, the Celts raided uh, Delphi in Greece and the, the yep. Celts <clears throat> along with the Scythians were, uh, you know, semi-nomadic horse people mm-hmm. uh, from the Caucasus and that had, you know, that, that, uh, okay. So, <laughs> uh, the Celts didn't just pop out of the ground in, in, uh, in Britain, uh, they they were uh, a semi nomadic horse people. The I love it. It's <clears throat> certainly some, some echoes of Rohan. Uh, yeah, the, the great horse lords of the plains, and <clears throat> they were not a <clears throat> and never were a united nation. They were yeah. uh, unified through language and tradition. Mm-hmm. We know that they were unified through burial custom. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and uh, you know locations in modern day Germany, and particularly in in uh, the Alps in Hallstatt, uh, with mm-hmm. uh, with the salt mines, is one of the the early known archaeological origin points for the Celts that they recognized, and they were rec- and they were recognized in the 19th century as a as a uh, as a people 
as a people group with shared custom. Uh, again, predominantly by burial custom and by art. Uh, the uh, the Celts have, were very sophisticated in their art and, uh, and very notable by the Romans as having specific ways of doing things, including war. And, and, uh, and some of those ways you, you can tie, you can, you can, you can look at, um, the way the Romans were describing Celtic warfare mm -hmm. 2000 years ago. <clears throat> and then you can look at the way, uh, that Union history describes fighting the Scots-Irish in the upland south of the Civil War. Mm -hmm. And you can draw comparisons that are not dissimilar. No, and for very valid reasons. I mean, because a lot of those Confederates coming, you know, came from those traditions. And so um, it's what was passed down through generations. And those... <laughs> Plus that, just that, tendencies. <laughs> what's that? Plus just tendencies. <laughs> yes. Some of it is just some of it. Some of it is, is, uh, you know, learned, you know, and mm -hmm. oral, oral tradition is a huge part of the Celts. Mm -hmm. uh, ironically, if you think about it and, you know, including uh, what we do right now, we share stories orally. Uh, certainly a interesting thought. Mm hmm. Something that I do love about the Celts, and I find this uh, th this cultural dichotomy. And by the way, if you wonder why we're doing this, Halloween is a Celtic holiday, so bear with us. <laughs> um, we'll, we'll get into the spooky stuff in a moment. Now we're just in the bloody stuff, which is almost as much fun. The bloody and literary stuff. The Celts were a highly sophisticated, non-literate people. I find mm -hmm. that a fascinating dichotomy in and of itself. and one that decries the concept of barbarian because we associate illiteracy with a lack of community of culture. Right. But, but the, the, the Romans were very, you know, pretty blunt in acknowledging the Celts sophistication. Mm -hmm. They, 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 they put, they, they pretty much talked about the Celts as barbarians in a different category with other barbarians. <laughs> they, and they're certainly they're the Celtic art uh, really sets it apart. That, that, that objectively makes it impossible to deny the Celts uh, sophistication as a people. Very true. Very true. Plus very, just very um, rich, detailed oral uh, traditions. Yes. And, and that, and that uh, brings us to the next two points, I think. One, a, a primary source of much of this lore is simply in the preserved folklore and tales, the mythology tales of Ireland, Scotland, and Wales. Mm -hmm. And True. that there is a, a very rich and documentable compendium of this lore 
Uh, and sometimes it's called fairy tales, sometimes not. W.B. Yeats was instrumental in collecting uh, and documenting uh, a great deal of it. <clears throat> uh, another that comes to mind is the Welsh Mabinogion and uh, the 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 great the branches of the story, which I love. I have a particular love and affinity for the, the Welsh story tales for some personal reasons. Uh, family ancestry is Welsh. Mm-hmm. About 50% of it. And, and then, of course, all the incredible um, richness of, uh, of the Scottish tales. Mm-hmm. And the, the understanding that these speak heavily into a variety of things, beginning with, you know, the one that comes to mind, um, the, the old tales of the, the Irish god Lu, uh, yeah. which brings us to Lunasha, uh, which then brings us to uh, the autumnal equinox and then the, the Halloween traditions, which mm-hmm. under a variety of names in, in uh, Irish Gaelic, it's Samhain, which in Irish Gaelic is written as Sam Hain, and there I love it that uh, you know the 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 uh, historical traditions and the the, the folkloric traditions of Samhain with the proper spelling S A M H I A N began making its way into bits and pieces of pop culture, including uh, I posted this on my. It was one of my Facebook memories the other day. The, this week, I think, was uh, in the real Ghostbusters. Uh, they had the God of Halloween showed up, and they had to deal with him. But they called they're calling him Lord, you know, uh, Lord of Sam Hain. Yeah, that's uh, true. Because and it's pronounced within the the context of the the cartoon Sam Hain. And there's a number of media points in the 70s and 80s that reference Salen, but there was nothing, there was no uh, linguistic direction to give them the, the Irish Gaelic pronunciation of Samhain. Right. So they were just reading it uh, phonetically in English. Right, which, I mean, and, and phonetically, that's what it looks like. So, yeah. And I can't, I, I honestly like both pronunciations. And uh, I, I do too, to be honest. Um, uh, <laughs> Typically, you know, I, I, I love precision in language just because it's my background. But, you know, <laughs> in this instance, you know, I'm a, frankly, I'm good with either pronunciation that probably offends some people. <laughs> I and, and interestingly enough, I, I tend to lean the same way. Uh, but I also think that language by its very nature over time evolves and mm-hmm we it's it's important to show a little bit of grace to that process and uh i like both pronunciations so all that to be said uh i have a strong celtic ancestry i know you do as well and uh if you say sam hain to us we know what you're talking about and we like it yep we're, we're at, this point, at this point i'll probably call it sound yeah <laughs> yes and, okay so that kind of gives people that you know that idea of where it all comes from yes and the the spooky motifs really kind of gradually over time come out of that because it's a time that traditionally it was viewed that 
the dead, basically the dead could walk the world, they could cross the veil. Uh, so you wanted, you didn't want to be seen by them because you didn't want bad things to happen. So Mm -hmm. uh, mass and and uh, disguising yourself from uh, supernatural forces goes back thousands of years in Euro um, Indonesian um, lore. Yes, uh, really from from Western Europe to the subcontinent, and um, so I think it was just natural that <clears throat> it became. Uh, you know the the ceremonial in 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 the early you know hundreds and thousands of years ago it was ceremonial. So did we freeze? I think we froze for a moment. Okay. I think it's back. I believe so. Okay. Yeah, we're good. Okay. okay. <laughs> awesome. Um, for hundreds of thousands of years, ceremonial, and that's when it froze on me. Oh, okay. Um, ceremonial traditions were to use masks and costumes um, to uh, either disguise yourself from gods and... so that the ghoulies and the bad things can't see us and harm us. Yes. <clears throat> and, you know, an interesting cross-reference that, <clears throat> you know, particularly when you look at uh, Northeastern Native American tribes, the Iroquois, the Algonquin peoples come to mind, <clears throat> uh, and, and not, this, not just there, long tradition of uh, masks in, uh, in these ceremonies. Mm -hmm. Very much so, and 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 used throughout the world in shamanistic practices. Yes, and it, you know, there's oh, there's so many um, so many references to this from ancient shaman practices that it really makes you wonder, uh, you know, in terms of origin points. It, it really is. Uh, it is interesting and in, in trying to figure out where where these ideas traveled from where to where. <laughs> it does. And, you know, the, there's a couple of different ways, I think, uh, you know, taking a really uh, really broad, you know, 10,000 mile high uh, you know, take on things, which is, you know, has benefits. It is also has issues with it as well, but I'm going to do it for a moment is on one hand, it, it suggests the idea that there's, there's a, there's, you know, common origin points for this mm -hmm. or, you know, ancient common origin points. And that is really fascinating. The other is an idea that if you strip away 
modernity and you really begin to engage in, regardless of tradition, engage in uh, truly uh, shaman practice regardless of uh you know of, of what continent you're on or what your ancestry is that you're that everyone it ultimately is engaging in the same natural cycles they're engaging in the same potentially supernatural cycles the same paranormal phenomena uh mm-hmm. they're, they're essentially interacting with the same library and true maybe the, just with different names Yes. Uh, and and <clears throat> so the idea that, you know, we we wouldn't uh, we wouldn't bat an eye at the at the aspect that, um, you know, shaman, shaman society, ancient shaman practices around the world all involve some form of solar recognition because duh everybody sees the sun well what if these these deep practices uh in association with mask wearing or the paranormal or or metaphysical dimensions is actually no different in terms of its existence its commonality than say the sun and the moon personally i think i think there is commonality um (laughs) and and you see it continue to today just in people's experiences because people encounter these kind of anomalies and phenomena around the world and continue to do so Mm -hmm. and you know it's it's to me it's really fascinating to to dig into um the the other thing that has to be taken into account is something that I, I think that uh, colonial European content struggled with, which is primitive, quote unquote, societies around the world had an enormous amount of cross-pollination of ideas, in some cases transatlantic and certainly trans-Pacific pollination of ideas uh, that were decidedly pre-Columbian. Yes, and and I think that is, part of that is just the, just that fear of things went on we don't know about <laughs> yeah and in the the certainly a what i would classify ultimately as a uh, a roman an imperial roman perspective which is we have established the known world and we are going to create grids and squares and cubes and we're going to place knowledge as well as people into those systems Mm -hmm. and for the for the betterment for the uh for the creation of civilization in some cases eroding an existing civilization in order to achieve that and is certainly a number of uh european power structures uh carried forms of that tradition on the British empire being the most successful. And I think that to a large degree, the, uh, mm, uh, the American uh, power structure that, mm-hmm. that keeps refraining from calling itself empire uh, being the one to carry that on to a large degree. So, you know, the, this, uh, this mm, modern system 
has that that really you know is not so modern you could say it's easily 2000 plus years old in terms of its perspective mm-hmm. certainly brings a lot to the table it brings um you know order civilization taxation and roads infrastructure and plumbing uh, and plumbing yes yeah. i'm a big it's fan exactly. of plumbing I really yes. am <laughs> me too uh, <laughs> on a daily basis even which is mm-hmm. you know makes everyone around me happy and uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh but it does come with a price and oftentimes that price is a a narrowness of perspective because the world around us must fit within the perspective of said empire true true Let's shift gears for just a second now. Yeah. And for, since we're talking about all house spooks, why yeah. why do you think the imagination is so consumed with ghosts? Mm, with ghosts. And in conjunction yeah. with Halloween. In conjunction, yeah, okay. Well, I think for a lot of people, a lot, a lot of there, there's a number of people who don't believe in the paranormal. Right. Uh, there's a number of people who simply say, I don't know. That's fair. And then there are people who, uh, well, there's people like me who just always have, <laughs> regardless of experience, um, because I just do. And I, I mm-hmm. chalk that up to ancestry. Um, among other things. And then there are the, the, the folks who... Um, you know, may not have believed and then suddenly experienced phenomena that they have no context for. So, so there's four groups of people that take up a good, good chunk of society. Well, and, uh, and let's be, let's be fair. Studies say that a majority of, of uh, Americans as well as European, uh, Europeans in general, because we're talking about that kind of our collective yes. uh, culture and history that Halloween grew out of do believe in in ghosts so correct every skeptic out there you know there, there's at least you know someone additional that even if they're not saying that they they do believe they um, do. now why halloween because why halloween? <clears throat> some of it of course is is simply cultural uh it's, mm-hmm. it's you know cultural momentum uh you know for me growing up there's a number of reasons, but, uh, you know, one of my earliest memories is going into the dime store and all of a sudden there's all the Halloween decorations and there's ghosts and there's witches and there's uh, movie monsters and there's masks and there's candy. And of course it brings up the question, okay, what is it? And it's like, oh, it's the spooky dead stuff. And yeah. <laughs> for me, I, you know, you had me at spooky dead stuff I was in. Uh, so certainly uh, just cultural impact. I do think, for, for individuals who allow themselves to be a little more introspective, it is the death of the year. Yeah, I, th- I think I think that philosophically and traditionally, that's where where it comes from. I think people also know that it was not an exclusive time for people to to kind of fixate on on spirits and ghosts, and that traditionally Christmas was a time as well that we don't often think about, but we, we won't really get into that. But I just, I just want to let, you know, point out that we, we tend to think of 
October and the Halloween season as sort of the ghost season. And it's not always been that way. It has not always been that way. Of course, those of us who do paranormal investigations, you know, we, we deal with the, uh, the misconception that, uh, you know, ghosts are always, only going to show up in October. Uh, and, they, you know, they're not around the rest of the time. That's not the case. Uh, no. Activity is, uh, is able to be documented all the time, uh, year round. Uh, it's, it's also not something that happens only at night. I think that's right. another misconception. And definitely, but it, uh, it is one of those things that you really, you, you do get, and, and you've seen it, I've seen it, you know, a heightened interest in, uh, paranormal tours, uh, ghost stories, um, scary movies, etc. This is the time for it. I would, to answer the question, I think that it's a, a, a culmination of two points. One, uh, just the cultural um i suppose conditioning but uh you know merchandising and just the expectation of the time mm-hmm. and we have several hundred years of american culture uh and north american culture that's pushing that and then uh also the uh the death of the year you're 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 coming into a time the leaves are falling the temperatures across much of the united states are getting colder it is getting you know a little more bleak and uh the nights are getting longer and i I think those things those things come together and uh you know there's a there is a tie within that process i think so um so we've gotten to ghosts. Yes. Should we talk about a few? I think that's an excellent idea. Both, uh, you know, um, lore as well as, uh, you know, actual uh, investigations. Okay. <laughs> where, where would you like to start? Oh, I, I don't know. Um, you know, I, I think it's interesting that there, there are almost sort of we've gotten to the point that people are so that the pop culture has gotten sophisticated enough around this that we have categories of ghosts now, lots of them. That's um, And so you, just your traditional idea of a ghost has, you know, now been divided into you know, your your apparitions, your shadow men, poltergeist, um, just, uh, and, and a lot of now, I think, and in part, I think uh, attention is on this a lot because of the paranormal reality shows, uh, non-visual things. Yes. Um, that have lost a distinction of, instead of there's just something supernatural or paranormal or not normal happening like something sliding across the table now because of the conditioning of the reality shows i think people say oh it has to be a ghost yes uh or a demon that's the other oh that's the other big player Uh, yeah which uh real quick digression you know there there is elements uh particularly you know uh, from particularly from um, Protestant and more fundamentalist Protestant aspects, uh, 
you know, uh, demonic and or either hyped or real um, satanic cult activity are associated with Halloween as well. That's true. That 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 is a point. And you know, particularly in in about the the late seventies through the eighties, they you know there there was this um, really that they you know a satanic fear um, mm-hmm. um, almost movement, but uh, where people suddenly saw satanic worship everywhere, um, mm-hmm. and. <laughs> There, there were a, a lot of accusations thrown at people, and um, not a lot came of it. In fact, there was a, a extended um, study by the Department of Justice into cases where there were allegations of satanic activity, and basically, very little evidence that there there was actual satanic worship that it was you know if there were things going on it usually was just kids you know being kids types that you know pranks and things like that um and that really i think that that atmosphere really grew out of the exorcist um that it seemed to really take over the psyche of america <laughs> I think that's, you know, I think this is that particular, um, uh, you know, elements of, of uh, American culture and that at that juncture point definitely falls into the category the, that we keep coming back to with Dark Ozark, which is sometimes there are no easy answers. It's a very yeah. uh, complex uh, process that, you know, something something <clears throat> that we see. Uh, consistently, in some cases, uh, we have uh, almost mob hysteria that mm-hmm. uh, in, in an early early situation. In other cases, we have uh, you know some very concerning cult worship, uh, particularly in rural America. And yeah, there that, yeah there there are a few examples, but but even that itself, it usually they found very little that was quote satanic based. Mm-hmm. You know, and and then it seemed to die down. Mm-hmm. And then it's, you know, uh, sort of a uh, sort of during the midst of that, you had the exorcist, you had the Amityville horror case that was very prominent. Mm-hmm. Uh, then over time, it kind of died down. And then with the advent of the ghost hunting shows, as some of them seem to really, you know, candor to hysterics, histrionics, and have a demon of weed kind of motif, it's, it became more prominent again. And then you start hearing uh, more about a, a handful of uh, places around America that supposedly, you know, were demonic hauntings. Um, and while there are a handful that have been certified, by the Catholic Church is demonic, very few. Um, yes. and, and the rise in movies, shows, and uh, books related to that topic have coincided with the rise of ghost hunting shows, and particularly um, uh, taking a, quote, demonic bent. 
And that I think is that I think is a really important discussion point um, for this because coming out of of this, um, there is a lot of media sensationalization. Mm-hmm. Uh, and whether whether it is a you know the implication of a malevolent spirit or an inhuman malevolence, meaning it never was human, it's a demon, um, is great for ratings. Mm-hmm. But in the mass majority of paranormal uh, cases, it is it does not reflect the reality. And it, in most cases, uh, you're you're dealing with, and we we work with this on a regular basis. We work with mm-hmm. hauntings that are quite benign, sometimes even a bit entertaining, um, yeah. and is very much no different than interacting with the living going about their lives. It's just they're they're doing it without their bodies, basically, for a variety of potential reasons, some of which sure. makes sense some of which do not. And it allows us, certainly allows me, I'll just speak for myself, but I think, you know, we're on the same page on this, uh, allows us to, first of all, not be freaked out in the majority of situations, not to be afraid in a majority of the situations that the vast majority of paranormal occurrences are, are, are actually quite normal. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and, and simply it's, it's important to, uh, to tread with, uh, appreciation and respect for those who have gone on before and not be scared. It certainly, uh, and I'm, you know, speaking for, you know, friends and family members and, and individuals that, that I hold a lot of respect for, uh, and, and traditions that I hold a lot of respect for, because I, I come from these, <clears throat> from, from these traditions and I'm a part of them, uh, that there is a lot of, uh, of fear, associated mm-hmm. with ghosts and what i consistently encourage people to understand is that in the vast majority not a hundred percent but in the vast majority of cases you don't have to be afraid this is not something that is um you know it's not it's not going to possess your soul it's not going to follow you home if it does follow you home it's going to get bored uh it's going to go on its way you can have very Yes, uh, you can have very reasonable conversations, mm-hmm. uh, albeit sometimes one-sided because you can't hear them uh, in most cases, but not all. Uh, but very reasonable, um, you know, conversations to say, "Look, I'll I'll take care of the picture that you really care about. Um, I really I respect your home. Um, you know, thank you for letting me come into this space. This is a beautiful space. Those types of things. Simply being civil and respectful, and will get you a long ways. Mm-hmm. And on the rare occasion that you find something else, be very respectful and leave it be." Exactly. Exactly. Um, and, you know, it, there is some parallel to this fascination with the inhuman mm-hmm. that goes yeah. along with fright houses, you know. It uh, does. Characters. And that's, oh, I just want to inter- interject just briefly. Mm-hmm. Nearly every public tour or survey investigate public survey investigation or demonstration public investigative demonstration that we do etc uh we will invariably and i think it's a very where the culture is at this point uh 
I think it's a very fair question. So I'm not, I'm not like, oh my gosh, that's a stupid question. I think it's very understandable, but it is, there will be folks who are uh, afraid Mm -hmm. that what they're about to get into is basically going to be a fright house. And yeah. And we have the opportunity, and I always enjoy this, we have the opportunity to assure them and help them understand that that's not the case. That's true. Um, and and I think part of it is just the socialization that we go through that so many people have gone through fright houses um, that it's hard for them to conceive that there is something that's different that you yes. quote a real haunted house is not, is not a jump scare. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. <clears throat> and, and we have the opportunity to showcase a number of real haunted houses. Yes, we, we do. And, um, and, and the, you know, and, and, and the good thing is that, We've seen a lot of people who have been hesitant or skeptical who have come out the other side um, very much appreciating and sometimes having very real experiences. Yes, Uh, all of which is I I consider to be a very positive thing. I do, too. I do, too. Uh, So now... um, you know, minus, minus my digression into demons and Satanism. Um, that <laughs> we have, as you noted, we have a bunch of, of traditional terms, a bunch of traditional, uh, you know, specter, phantom, ghost, poltergeist, mm-hmm. um, ghoul, that's a little more technical. Uh, what's that boggart boggart yep uh so we're up to six there and then we have uh things that have really come into the nomenclature uh, largely post internet shadow man being the top yeah i think that um you know uh, you know, no, I don't think they just started happening then but they were just perceived as a, a different type of apparition. Um, and at some point, the fact that they were in shadow versus, you know, flowing white gown or whatever, uh, took on a connotation of its own. And some of them have gotten pretty outlandish, in my opinion. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we, you know, and just since, you know, during the, you know, 20, about 20 years I've been doing this, it's, it's, it's progressively become more exaggerated uh, where, you know, when I started, you know, it was a shadow form or a shadow man, uh, you know, that pretty much investigators just viewed as, it, you know, it's another type of spirit to uh, over time. And I think this is media sensation. Um all shadow men are evil. They're they're dangerous. They um, are going to do something to you. Although there really is, there are no there are no cases I know of of anyone definitively saying a shadow man did anything. Um, 
you know, you don't, you know, there, there are tales of a ghost that somehow has managed to, you know, do something to someone or move objects or something. Um, and you don't really get that same with shadow men. It, it's just the idea that they're quote dark in color that people become petrified. Um, then, then we we got the red eye specters, the red eyed shadow men, <coughs> which I uh, I've always been used that you know it's like they have you know laser pointers or something um, that suddenly those were you know. Um, even worse. Um, and some of the sort of anecdotal, you know, tall tales, uh, you kind of equate them to uh, vampires. Yes. Um, you know, that e- even to the point of hovering outside windows and they have to be, I've heard some people say they have to be invited in, that kind of thing. But again, they're going to do something to you, but we've never really had a case where Shadow Man directly has done anything. Um, <laughs> and then the Hat Man, you know, uh, and and I'm sorry, people, but this is the one I find the most amusing uh, is, oh, my God, he's wearing a fedora. Look out. <laughs> well. And, and this is, you know, I'm, I'm speaking as someone who has binged what, binge listened particularly. Um, I, I look at, okay, so for people who don't know me, I, I look up um, scary uh, stories on YouTube and I use it to fall asleep too. And did it again last night. I don't know how many nights I've done this. And very rarely does uh does something happen that you know that i'm actually listening to that actually freaks me out and the rest of the time i just find it really relaxing um so uh there is a a viral cottage industry of weird spooky stories that are pretty much all taking their cues off of the same internet phenomena. Yes. Yes. They are, they are fiction. I think that is an incredibly important point. They, Mm -hmm. they, sometimes they are very well written Mm -hmm. and oftentimes they are not. And it's a, it's a really fun rabbit hole to go down but, we compare notes on them at times, so yes, yes, we do. And <laughs> and you know, and I I listen to the I listen to these for the entertainment of it. I actually listen to them for the relaxation of it. I'm not sure what that says about me, um, but I also listen to it for uh, sociocultural and literary analysis, and mm-hmm. listening for the commonality of the story. It's it's sort of like the, um, you know, the the sixteen English murder ballads that really all say the same thing. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's it, in in some ways it's a you know it is you know it's collecting modern folklore as it happens is basically what you're doing. Right. And the, the, the only thing, the only, uh, you know, one of the larger differences is with the, the, the speed at which information 
travels at this point and the yeah. ease at which you can record and upload mm-hmm. um, that instead of say the the proverbial 16 english ballads english murder ballads that uh you know get a certain amount of revision by the time that they get to kentucky now we have thousands of yeah uh, of versions worldwide or thousands just in the in the english language of slender man shadow man shadow men hat man black-eyed children etc all there to spook you out you know mm-hmm. I, I i wound my way down the wendigo hole uh last month then, i know yes because <laughs> I, I, I was sharing sharing it and what i what i was listening for was the points that don't just sound like everything else Right. And that's that's where that's that's where the rub is. That's where you actually get interesting things that, you know, in my experience, might have a grain of a real experience somewhere. Yes. And and I think that there are real experiences hiding within these these narratives Uh, or someone had a real experience and passed it on a couple of times and then it made its way into you know, uh, an upload. There's, there's just a, it is a fascinating sociocultural ball of spookiness. Mm -hmm. And that, that process, I think is one of the things that I I find really engaging. Mm, Pardon me. I I do too. And, and I think it's, it's very important, um, to certainly on one hand to take these stories and these narratives with a grain of salt um you know to to take them with it with a certain amount of realist you know uh, of a realist perspective of the idea that that you know a lot of this isn't real but it's Mm -hmm. very entertaining um and it's certainly easy to to you know, approach it, especially if you're new to the field, to approach it with uh, with a lot of naivete. Oh my goodness, yeah. everyone has you know been accosted by a Wendigo in Appalachia, uh, so on and so forth. And that that's it is naivete, but it is. It's also important to understand that we are we are witnessing the upload of modern lore. Yes, and I think that's something and that's that that's something that came up at the conference we were at Saturday, that people think lore is static and that it's set in stone and that it's old and it has to be at least 100 years old um, and and forget that it's still being made and it's changing. Um, and I, I admit that there, there there's also not only these, these written stories, but... So many people are throwing up uh, videos on YouTube about going to, quote, haunted places. And I find some of them very interesting, the way they approach it. And you see all of the pat cliches over and over and over. Um, And so many of them thrown in that they they are internally inconsistent in a lot of these you know narratives in these videos that the the people actually doing it some of them i think are you know obviously are in on the the joke wink wink 
some of them don't seem to be. They 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 right. don't seem to get that you can't have this and this at the same time. Um, and because there is such a mass consumption of this, we're no longer sitting around the campfire or the hearth telling these stories so that you know, little Bobby goes, now, Grandpa, wait a minute, I thought you said <laughs> this happened or they did that so that, you know, it gets sorted out and there's more internal consistency over time, you're losing that because it's just thrown out there and people are consuming it and consuming it. I think a lot of people tend to consume it hook, line and sinker. Agreed. Agreed. Without, without contextualizing it properly. Right. Right. Or, or just credit some critical thinking, you know, is what 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 they presented here internally consistent and does it make sense or did they just throw out every cliche they could think of to be overly dramatic right <laughs> and in all fairness if you you know a little bit of critical thinking and approaching this particularly from a literary perspective if you're accustomed to writing mm-hmm. there will be tells in the yeah. process yeah and now, this is jumping subjects just a little bit, but, um, you know, another another rabbit hole that I went down in terms of, of Internet lore is, uh, of course, uh, Skinwalkers. Yes. And there's there's a number of, uh, you know, associated phenomena with Skinwalkers. Mm-hmm. Um, just ask the Internet. It will tell you. But then... Um, you know, we're, we're not far enough along to do a lot of disclosure on this, but you did an interview, uh, that, that involved, uh, a first person accounts and yes. there was maybe three to four characteristics mm-hmm. that show up in the internet lore that was recounted first person with the, with the skinwalker phenomena. Yes. Yes. And to me, that was really phenomenal. And I can't, you know, we won't say anything beyond this other than this was a reputable source. Yes, very reputable, um, very credible source. And um, and yeah, it, it was one that, yeah, that when you go through it, you go, okay, there, there, there's some substance here where I've heard other stories that it, it just doesn't, it just does not ring true. No. And I will tell you, you know, I, I'd been binging the, the urban legend YouTube lore for probably three weeks before you conducted that first person interview. Yeah. And so, you know, and I'm just listening to this stuff and, and I'm like, wow, that's creepy. That's fun. That's, you know, okay. This is part of the compendium of lore. That's cool. Uh, wouldn't want to find that on a dark night. Okay. Thumbs up, you know, and then I hear the interview and there's about five points that the hair on the back of my neck stood up yeah. because I'm going, oh, this person is reputable and they're recounting personal experiences and they're serious. Mm-hmm. Very serious. And I'm going, this is where, you know what gets real. 
and, yeah. <laughs> and I'm going, okay. And and I think this speaks to the Halloween season. Maybe this is where we get back on, you know, exit back onto the on onto the onto the main road here. Uh, this is where stuff gets real, and suddenly the world as we know it is suddenly expanded into a world as we don't know it. Right. Right. And, and that happens and, you know, and we go through a lot of interviews before, you know, in between getting those, you know, it's for everyone that is like that, you know, you can go through 20 that aren't that you just go, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And, and I would say, and of course, this is this is difficult to document. It's difficult to document impressions or the energy within a space. It can be, yes. Um, but something that is consistent. I'm, I'm going to reference the the Skinwalker phenomena. Okay. A a consistency in the reputable documentation that also carries over, but into the lore is the idea that, for example, and for people who don't know, Skinwalker is uh, an individual who engages in very dark shamanistic, traditionally Navajo practice to turn themselves into a dog um, or a dog creature. And for a variety of reasons, some of them uh, very, you know, logistic reasons, because skinwalkers travel very quickly mm-hmm. uh, and many of them for very negative reasons. Yeah. Uh, the, the intent to inflict harm often on individuals who really are largely innocent of, you know, simply being in the wrong place at the wrong time, that kind of idea. Yeah. And a consistent, a consistent, element of this is you know you see the dog and the dog looks at you and you know that there's something wrong with this Mm -hmm. and if you were to ask the person okay what was wrong i mean there are many times throughout our lives that we see a dog and the dog turns to look at us. What's the big deal? And the person would say it was wrong. Mm -hmm. It was, there was something about it that initiated an understanding um, that says, this is not, we we've stepped outside the boundaries of normal. And to be honest, I think it touches on those those primal instincts from, you know, thousands of years ago that kept us alive um, in, in the wild, that yeah. of sensing, you know, danger and things being out of place. Yes. And to me, like, it's very difficult to especially to a skeptic to quantify that because it is very frankly anyone could say i had an experience and it just felt wrong right that's why those are just words until you're the one that is having the actual experience exactly 
And I think uh, coming all the way back to sort of our, our, our primer of, of Halloween, um, you know, take a step back to uh, Celtic Britain as a, as a whole. And, you know, it is a time of the, you know, the great bonfires on the hill, uh, running the cattle between the bonfires to, to ensure, um, you know, fertility of the, of the cattle season next year. And it is a very dark, physically dark uh, time. The, the days are getting much shorter. The nights are getting much longer. There's chill in the air. And let's take ourselves out of our modern day perspective for a moment and say, you know, at some point I'm purely conjecturing, uh, but, you know, walking from one community to another and coming upon figures in the mist mm-hmm. and knowing in a way that instinctually, you know, that these figures are not, they don't belong on our side of the veil. Right. But they're here. Mm-hmm. To me, that's Halloween. I, I agree. I agree. And, um, and to be honest, I think that is the sense that everyone tries to capture in a bottle for Halloween. Yes. Um, and, not very few ultimately have those experiences um, quite like that. Um, and maybe the failure to have that experience is what, what uh, uh, turns skeptics into curmudgeons. I don't know. <laughs> quite possible at the very least, just eat your way to the bottom of the Halloween candy. You'll be happier. Exactly. That might be a good place to stop for tonight. And then we'll take up the conversation next week with more uh, along the same vein as as we delve into uh, October. Absolutely. Looking forward to that. Um, And we're going to do a deep dive on something bloody on the subscribers tonight. Yes. So um, if you're interested in in more in-depth discussions that are on the page, check out the subscribers group. Absolutely. We thank everybody for being part of this journey of Dark Ozarks and uh, hope to see you soon at a live event. Yes. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Josh. Thanks, Lisa. Thanks, Alex. Night, everybody. Night.